Welcome in to the newest edition of the Just In Time Sports Podcast. I am your host, Justin Jackson, and in this week's episode, we'll be talking about the NFL and what's going down there. We'll be t- going back to our NFL betting segment, Jack's Pack. We will touch on the NBA as it opens its season, and we'll have our best for last, which is going to be a quick discussion about the championship series in the MLB, the NLCS, and the ALCS. Now, as always, don't forget to like, rate, and subscribe to the Just In Time Sports Podcast on iTunes and Spotify. And as always, don't forget to follow and turn on the post notifications for the uh, social media handle at JTimeSports. I repeat, at JTimeSports on uh, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, Facebook um, is our four social media platforms. And that will keep you informed and up to date on all the sports happenings. Now, as always, don't forget to sit back and get ready to learn something. Welcome into the show. Oh, I'm massively excited to be back. It's been about three weeks since we have last talked. A lot of things have been going down. Has it been three weeks? Last time I did it was going into week four. I think we're going into week seven now in the NFL. Um, probably should have wrote that down. But um, yeah, we're going into week seven because I see the Jets are four and two. So we're going into week seven in the NFL. We're going. It's been about a month since the last time we talked. Um, a lot has been happening. Uh, personally, uh, coaching. Like I said, I told you guys earlier, I'm coaching a few months ago. I'm coaching high school football now. That's really what's been throwing off the recording schedule. Um, team's doing pretty well. We win another game. We make a playoff berth. Um, so excited about that. Uh, Bolton High School in Alexandria, if you guys want to keep up with us. Um, but yeah, so that's what's throwing off the recording schedule for for those of you who look forward to the podcast every week. I know I told you guys for the season, for the NFL season start, we we're going to go every week, but life happens. Um, and so I was really excited that today I would have the opportunity, uh, to get back in the booth. I'm recording this on Saturday night, actually while watching the Alabama, uh, Mississippi state game. And this will come out Sunday morning. So like I said, super excited to have the opportunity to record this episode, um, and, you know, get back talking with you guys. Hopefully we can get back to every week. Um, that'll definitely be what I want to do. Um, but again, life happens. So we're going to come in here as much as we physically can try and make it every week. We're going to do our best to get that done. Um, so that is just the personal note opening block. Um, and you guys know we were back on the timer. So I'm about to set the timer and we can get, uh, down to business and we're going to jump right into the NFL. Like I said, it's been about a month since we talked. So I won't do a review of the whole month. I'll just jump right in basically starting Thursday night. Yeah, the Arizona Cardinals and the New Orleans Saints. Plenty of different angles in this game for both sides. Um, and, I, and I won't go too far into the game itself. Um, I'm more focused on, on this coming week. But, you know, there was a couple of flashpoint moments in that game. So the big moment, of course, um, was the, the, the trio of touchdowns Arizona scored to flip the game. It was 14-6 to um, at one point. And then within a minute and 15 seconds, it was 28-14. It was a rushing touchdown from the Arizona Cardinals. And then back-to-back pick six, six thrown by Andy Dalton, including having one of the coolest shots ever. Um, when Andy Dalton's, like, turning his head and in slow-mo, you see somebody diving into the end zone with the ball. Um, it was one of the coolest shots ever. But it was absolutely a pretty solid game. Uh, Andy Dalton ended up making a game of it. Um, Kyler Murray had a flashpoint moment as well when he's yelling at, I assume, Cliff Kingsbury to calm the F down. Um, He said it multiple times with his helmet off. It wasn't like he had his helmet on and you can kind of like, oh, he didn't really say that. Like He had his helmet off and he's saying, calm the F down, calm the F down. And it's just, you know, it, it was just one of those 
one of those moments when, and then I actually the play calling got a little bit better. Um, so it, it, to me, if I'm the general manager, if I'm the owner, to me that's showing a frustration um, with the head coach from the star quarterback. Because now the star quarterback has a $230 million contract, you know, and 160 of it's guaranteed. Kyler Murray has a lot of leverage, a lot of control, a lot of um, power in the organization now because, again, he has $235 million, including 160 guaranteed. Cliff Kingsbury can be easily fired. Um, and so, you know, if Kyler goes to ownership and general manager, obviously he's like, look, I want to play a lot better, but the coach isn't helping me, basically. They'll move on from Cliff Kingsbury, and you've got people out there. You obviously you have Kyler Murray, so you want an offensive coach in theory. Uh, we're gonna talk about the Chargers. Uh, actually, we're not gonna talk about the Chargers. The Chargers went out and you know hired a defensive coach in uh, in um, Staley, Brandon Staley, and that hasn't really worked out for the uh, Chargers. And it hasn't really helped Justin Herbert's development. But you look at a uh, you look at a uh, a situation like New York. Giants. They went out. I'm gonna talk about. We all gotta talk about them in a couple minutes. They went out and got Brian Dable and look at how they're playing offensively. Um, and so you get these offensive guys in the building. You have an Airbnb enemy that's out there. Um, you know you have these young offensive superstars. Buffalo offense still looks good with Ken Dorsey as their OC. What if Ken Dorsey decides, hey, I want to go throw my name in that hat to try and get that um coaching position. With the Arizona Cardinals, the Cardinals, you you will walk into a situation with Rondell Moore, Robbie, not Robbie Anderson, yeah, Rondell Moore, Robbie Anderson, Hollywood Brown, DeAndre Hopkins, two good running backs, Kyler Murray. You spend your first two draft picks on offensive linemen, sign one, trade for one, rebuild your offensive line in the offseason. We saw the Bengals do it. You could you're looking at an entire you're looking at a really good offensive core with a defense that makes plays. Uh, they're not necessarily a stout defense. They're not necessarily a defense that. You're going to score 10 points against them all night, and you're just not going to move the ball. You're going to be able to move the ball. You're going to be able to score, but then there'll be moments where they, when you, you that one mistake you make, it's a pick, or it's a fumble, or it's a pick six. You know, they, they take advantage of the opportunities most of the time if you make the mistake. So it'd be very interesting opening if indeed it is an opening uh, after all with, uh, with Cliff Kingsbury. Uh, if he gets fired, like I said, Kyler Murray has a lot of power in the organization now and, and literally yelling, calm the bleep down um, to your coach is something that I have rarely seen. I don't think I've, I've never seen that exact interaction. I've seen coach, player, quarterback, OC yelling, but calm the bleep down um, was not something I thought I'd ever see. Um, and so that was an interesting turn. Um, but the Cardinals did win the game. They're still very much in the fight for the division because if you look at a situation, um, the Rams are not holding strong, and um, the Niners are struggling. They made a hell of a trade. We're gonna talk about that. Uh, the Niners are struggling, and then uh, you know the, the entirety of their division is not playing all that well. So they have an opportunity. They're very much in the division race to get into the playoffs. Shifting into this current week, uh, we're going to do a little bit of injury news, and then we're going to uh, discuss moves and transactions. So on the injury front, of course, we're going to go from oldest injury to newest injury. Uh, Carson Wentz was officially placed on injury reserve following thumb sur- finger hurt surgery, hand surgery, whatever surgery it was. Uh, thumb, I think I believe it was thumb uh, surgery. Um Following thumb surgery, he'll miss at least four weeks, obviously, on short-term IR, and he will miss both revenge games. So he will miss the game against the Colts, and he will miss the game against the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, both of his former franchises is a game he will miss. Now, there was some frustration in Washington over his performance in the past few weeks. Um, so a lot of Washington's fans have begun to make the joke, like, what happens um, if – you know, Taylor Heineke goes three and one. Or if um you know uh, Taylor Heineke goes three and one or yeah, Heineke is the starter. So Heineke goes three and one or two even two and two and plays really well because outgunned. Does Carson Wentz just walk back into his job? Um there's no guarantee of that. And so uh that is going to be 
definitely something to watch out for uh, there in Washington. How well does the offense look under a different quarterback? Now, Heineke will have the advantage of he's been in the system for two, three years. Um, that's what Ron Rivera spoke about a, a clip that blew up in a, in, a, in a clipping that if you if you snipped it wrong, sounded horrible. Uh, he was asked, you know, basically, what's the difference between you and like the Cowboys and the Eagles and stuff like that? And he pretty much said quarterback. But then he expanded on it. And I have a clip right after that. But then he expanded on it by saying, no, we went out and got Carson Wentz because we believe Carson Wentz can do it. And we, st- we still believe Carson Wentz can do it. He was just saying that it's, it's to a point where the two other quarterbacks in the division have been in their system for years. They've uh, worked with their OCs. They've worked with their receivers. They know the playbook backwards and forwards. It's a situation where Carson Wentz on his third team in 24 months, he's trying to learn another another system, another set of receivers, another play style, another <coughs> excuse me call call selection. Um, he's trying to learn everything all over again for the third time in 24 months. Because think about it, he had a new system when he was still in Philadelphia. Then he goes to the Colts. Now he's with Washington. So it's just three totally different systems in in a span of two years. He's going through a lot, and, and most people didn't clip the second half of or the explanation of the quote. They just clipped the word quarterback, and so it looked really, really bad. Um, and now people are, are watching. You know, um, people on my post, I, I posted. You know, oh, he's out for IR. People are saying, oh, they might actually win two of those games. They might start winning now. You know. And people paying, putting a lot of blame on Carson Wentz. He's actually not having that bad of a season. Uh, about, I think, an 88 passer rating, 10 touchdowns, 6 interceptions. Um, not the world's best TDI ratio, not the world's best passer rating. But he's playing solidly. He's definitely not the blame uh, for Washington's misfortunes, at least not exclusively. Russell Wilson's injury uh, shook the NFL a little bit. Not necessarily the betting line, which I found a little odd. But it definitely shook the NFL world a little bit. Um, he was a he's scratched from uh, the game against the New York Jets due to his hamstring injury. Now, according to reporters, uh, according to reports, rather, he was attempting to play, and Nathaniel Hackett ultimately decided to hold him out as a precaution. Um, now, this is not your slightly older brother's Jets, uh, we'll, and we'll talk about that shortly, but. Hackett decided to hold Russell Wilson out. Now, again, this is another one. Now, he's in no danger of losing his job because contractually you can't bench Russell Wilson. Um, it's not in his contract you can't bench him, but you owe him $160 million. You're not benching him. Um, and But people say, like, man, what happens if the Broncos suddenly score 30, 35 points? You know what I'm saying? You, and you've been struggling all night to score anything. Or all season to score anything, and then all of a sudden, um, all of a sudden, he uh, he the backup comes in and scores 30, 35 points, um, and so that would just set off a lot in Denver. A lot of the frustration, a lot of the um, a lot of the anger that is going on. Uh, a lot of the anger that's going on in Broncos Nation and Broncos Country about the uh, anemic offense would be only amplified if uh, the backup comes in and puts up 30, 35 points. You know, yeah, that would just be something that would rock a Broncos Country and, and put a lot of pressure on Russell Wilson in his return to not only come out and perform well, but to perform outperform the guy who, who backed him up. So that is what's going on in Denver. And lastly, the the last major injury of news was J.K. Dobbins of the Baltimore Ravens. Just coming back from one injury, now he's out four to six weeks with arthroscopic left knee surgery. Um, and so he's going to be out four to six weeks. Uh, like I said, he was just coming back from one injury. He didn't even have surgery until next week, so really it's like five to seven weeks um, because he was just coming back from one injury, getting himself back. Now he's going to have to go undergo orthoscopic knee surgery. Um, and then, okay, so the big personnel news. We uh, we had a running back movement, or like thereof. Well, we had both. So Christian McCaffrey, Carolina Panthers, we anticipated a fire sale. Uh, many people anticipated a fire sale um, with 
the Carolina Panthers um, because they fired their head coach, Matt Rule. They fired their defensive coordinator. Um, and so many people thought, okay, they kind of got some expensive players. They've got some talent. If they can move some of that talent for draft picks, they have an opportunity to, you know, really kind of rebuild. They're going to have a high draft pick thanks to their inept quarterback play. Now you don't, you fired your coach, you fired your DC. So it's, you're in, you're in a position now where you're looking like, man, you know, they really have the opportunity to rebuild this thing kind of quick. You trade for some other people's picks. You end up with five of the top hundred. You end up with, um, you know, in one draft, 15, 16 picks maybe, or eight or 10 to 12 to 14 draft picks. Now you're in a spot where you can draft eight, nine starters, or if out of 14 draft picks, 10 of them make the roster. You know, you can go get cheap labor that can play, can grow, develop, and build under a new head coach. Um, and so the first of those dominoes fell when they uh, traded Christian McCaffrey, uh, the oft-injured, although incredibly talented, running back uh, to the San Francisco 49ers in exchange for the a second, third, fourth-round pick in this draft and then a fifth-round pick in next year's draft. Um, considering Christian McCaffrey's recent injury history, this was a lot. Um, now, according to um, several several things, the uh, Panthers were looking for a first for Christian McCaffrey, and they felt like the package that the 49ers gave them, uh, especially with the two and the three, kind of felt like the equivalency to a first. So that's why they were willing to accept the deal. But they originally went uh, into that situation in order to uh, try and get a first out of uh, anybody that was trying to trade for Christian McCaffrey. So huge news there. Now, I find this a little odd, and don't, just just stay with me for a second. Just stay with me for a second. The San Francisco 49ers often have injured running backs. Christian McCaffrey is an oft-injured running back. Doesn't that feel like a match made in not having? I mean, think about it. They get hurt. Like normally, like on the regular. And yet you decide to get a oft injured running back to try and be durable for you. Like, I, I just don't get it. Um, it Carolina's owed Christian McCaffrey the rest of his bonus for this season. Uh, but there's really not a ton of guarantees left on the contract in terms of like what San Francisco is automatically stuck for now. Are they going to sign him to a couple of these years or ride off a couple of these years? Yes, because you don't want to bring McCaffrey in for, what, 10 games? Release him. He walks for free. And you give up four picks for 10 games. So they're definitely going to keep him into his contract. I don't see it as being a fast release. He's going to at least play through them for next season. Um, and minimum, he's going to play through next season for the uh, 49ers. And we're going to see how they evaluate him and his status after the season. Um. Personally, I don't see it being – it's going to be quite successful when he's healthy. Um, that's not even a doubt in my mind. It's going to be quite successful when he's healthy um, because you got George Killer, you got Debo Sam, you got Kyle Yushchek, you got Christian McCaffrey, you got a bunch of guys who can do a bunch of things. Kyle Yushchek's the best utility fullback in the NFL. What does the utility fullback do? They basically play tight end just in the backfield. He runs routes. He blocks. He, he catches the ball. He runs it. He's a great utility tight end. Debo Samuels, the best running wide receiver in the NFL. What I mean, my best running wide receiver is he's literally so good at being a running back that there's a package in Madden called the Debo package, where it takes your number one receiver and put him at a running back. Um, and then Christian McCaffrey is arguably the best receiving running back in the league. He can go out and run legitimate routes. He can go out and run um, beat coverage. I've seen him beat corners, like I said, and running legitimate routes. He's the best receiving running back in football. And then George Kittle is the best to me total tight end in terms of combination of blocking and running. I have to give that credit to George Kittle because he's such he's not as good as a pass catcher as a Mark Andrews or Travis Kelsey. But he's a much, much or Dan Waller. He's a much, much better blocker than any of those three. He's a much more physical blocker than any of those three. So he gets the nod in terms of the best total and most versatile tight end 
um, in the NFL. So you've got a lot of um, specialties, specialties uh, going on with the 49ers offense. And if they were healthy, healthy, they would have Trey Lance, who's another dual multi-purpose threat uh, level player at quarterback. But say you have a more traditional quarterback in Jimmy Garoppolo. But Kyle Shanahan has a lot of weapons, uh, versatile weapons, I should say, in order to use for his schemes. So they'd be interesting to watch again when he's healthy. George Kittle's usually hurt. Jimmy G's usually hurt. Christian McCaffrey's usually injured. Use Chuck and Debo, fairly healthy. But the other three are usually fairly injured. So we're going to keep our eye on that situation. But again, a two, a three, and a four in this draft, plus a fifth-round pick in next year's draft uh, from the 49ers to the Panthers for Christian McCaffrey. Ty Gurley has uh, announced that he pretty much is retired. He said he has not sent in his official paperwork for retirement, although he is done playing for all he, for all his purposes. He's done playing in the NFL. Um, so the seventh-year vet, of two-time All-Pro, um, great college running back, is basically his career is over. Um, his knees were just too bad. They were basically degenerating at a certain point. It was it was just too rough for him in his physical state to try and battle through another seasons or season or whatever he was trying to go to whatever he was trying to get one last run I guess um, his body just did not allow it to happen. Um, and I said again, incredibly unfortunate. But congratulations on a pretty good career, uh, Todd Gurley. All right, and a couple of quick hitters. Uh, Tua Tagovailoa was expected to return for the Miami Dolphins. Today, I guess, or tomorrow, but today. Um, and so he, is clear, he cleared concussion protocol before that last game. However, it was super late in the week. And as a precaution, uh, they kept Tua out um, as a precaution. But he will get the start this week. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater and the other quarterback, whose name was Skylar Thompson, uh, both got nicked up. Skylar got nicked up early in the game. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater got nicked up during the game. Um, so Tua Tagovailoa after that very very scary concussion um, is back um, under center for the Miami Dolphins and the state of New York um, is having a hell of a football season right now in the NFL uh, combined they are 14 and 4 uh, the New York Giants are 5 and 1 shocker absolute shocking the Buffalo Bills are 5 and 1 not shocking and the New York Jets equally as shocking as the Giants are 4 and 2 um, so the state of New York uh, is having a very, very good start to its NFL season. But up next, we're going to shift to our NFL betting segment, Jack's Pack, so I can tell you guys how to make some money this weekend. Welcome back into the show. And now we're going to jump right into our NFL betting segment, Jack's Pack. Now, of course, it's been a while. So remember, guys, we pick five games a week uh, against the spread, all odds provided by the ESPN app. And then um, usually the games I go with are from games I numbers I love to the numbers I don't necessarily love. Or I love le- uh, less than the ones I love before. Uh, so, of course, we always do five games. That way, we can have a winning or losing week. Uh, four games, just asking for two and two. Six games, usually I don't love that many numbers. Um, so, five um, is the sweet spot. And as always, we're going to jump right into this. Uh, first game I'm going to do is the Cleveland Browns at the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, Ravens minus six and a half. Um, Ravens minus six and a half. Take the Ravens here. A, it's at home. B, we just saw the uh, New England Patriots do a number on the Cleveland Browns, um, causing a lot of pressure, causing a lot of trouble uh, for the Cleveland Browns offense by simply um, manning up, sending a lot of pressure, and they were able to take advantage of the tackles of the Cleveland Browns. You look at the Baltimore Ravens, they don't have the world's best secondary, but they do have a pretty solid front seven. And, of course, they have the ultimate cheat code on offense. They have Lamar Jackson. 
And so we saw a Baylor Zapp- Bailey Zappi's legs, uh, although not nearly Lamar Jackson, his ability to have mobility, his ability to have mobility, um, rather, created a lot of uh, opportunities to get the ball down the field. And so when you get a Lamar Jackson, who is the most athletic quarterback ever in the history of the NFL, along with having a pretty good ability to um, throw the ball himself, he's going to create a lot of problems for that. Um, not really sure what the pass rush is looking like for the Cleveland Browns, um, but it was not that pr- prolific against the New England Patriots, like I said, just last week. And so I'm going to go with Baltimore to, to my opinion, easily cover that six and a half, um, and they win 34 to 20. Next, we have the New York Jets at Denver Broncos. Broncos, at the time I did the game, Minus one and a half for the Broncos. Um, actually, I'm going to go back in. Actually, let me check this before before you guys ride out with that number. Uh, let me let me check this one second. What's the number right now? Again, I'm watching Alabama game, so you know it's a little bit later in the day. On the ESPN app, it is Jets minus one and a half. So as it sits right now, it is Jets minus one and a half. That does not change my side. I got the Jets. Um, the number did move about two points. It was most sites had Broncos minus one. It became uh, Broncos plus one. A lot of sites um, on the ESPN app it swung three points. It went from uh, Broncos favored by a point and a half to Broncos being underdogs by a point by a point and a half. Um, so. That was the situation that was happening after the Russell Wilson injury. Um, about a field goal, anywhere from two to three point change, depending on your sports book. But it all pretty much ended up the opposite. So it was, you know, some sports book had it minus two for the Broncos, it ended up minus two for the Jets, you know. So it was pretty much the opposite of, of the spread occurred. Uh, but regardless, I'm going to go with the New York Jets here. And I was going to probably pick the Jets if Russell Wilson was healthy. I don't know what's going on with Russell Wilson. I don't know what's happening with the Denver Broncos offense. I think Nathaniel Hackett's a god-awful coach um, because he you had to hire somebody to tell you basically when to call timeouts, which as a head coach is literally your entire job is to manage the game. And so if you have to hire a coach to manage the game for you, why are you the coach? Oh, you're running the offense. Well, the offense sucks and you have a top 10 quarterback in the NFL. So... Yeah, I don't know what Nathaniel Hackett is doing. He's a god off a football coach. Uh, he's, he's a bad head coach. Pretty solid OC. have no complaints with him there. But he is not an NFL head coach. Uh, he was not ready for this opportunity at all. Some people just aren't, aren't, some people just aren't head coaches. Um, but I have the Jets. Robert Sala appears to be getting his program underway uh, in earnest in New York. Like I said, they are currently 4-2. and two. And I think they're going to go to 5-2 even on the road. Uh, in Denver dealing with Mile High uh, because, you know, they've got a really good defense. The Broncos are starting a young quarterback. They're starting a backup quarterback. Um, And so I got the Jets winning this game, fairly low scoring, um, 20 to 10. Uh, The Jets win the game in Mile High and moved on to 5-2. The Chicago Bears at New England Patriots. Patriots minus 7.5. Take the Patriots. Honestly, I'm not sure what the number would have been if I didn't take the Patriots. The Chicago Bears have one of the least talented offenses I've ever seen in my life. I was speaking, I was speaking to a friend of mine, actually my head coach, um, on, on, my, on my staff, the head coach. Um, and he was referring who I'm sure we'll have on the podcast later. We have to set that up. My bad, coach. I, we, we'll get it together. But um, we were talking, and one of the things we were talking about was who was the Bears' talent? You got on offense. You got Justin Fields. I think the running back still Montgomery. The 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 tight end is Cole Komet. I think. Um. Your receiver one is Dante Pettis. And the reason why I know it's Pettis is because every time, uh. Justin Fields was trying to go on a deep shot or a big pass. He was going to Pettis. Like, the offensive talent is so bad. They can draft everything except quarterback, and it's a good pick. I mean, it's just a disaster of an offensive talent. Um, You've seen that when they play Washington. Bill Belichick has this thing, 
And Nick Saban does it too. Where they talk up bad opponents. Now, in their head, they're thinking that these these blankety blanks not going to score a point on us tonight, uh, tomorrow night or Monday, or in this case, Monday night. But he went on a thousand word, seven minute soliloquy about all the things, positive things the Bears offense does. And it's just like, yeah, so you know they're bad. You're trying to talk this game up. The page are going to win by 50. You know, it's just like it's, they're just the Bears are not going to be able to move. Now, the only cause to pause is that occasionally a Bill Belichick charge defense has trouble with mobile quarterbacks. Um, but considering that they're probably going to have spies all everywhere for um, Justin Fields and all kind of stuff to ensure he doesn't run and make some throw to these below average to be kind weapons. Um, I imagine that that's not going to be too big of a problem. I've got the Patriots winning this game fairly pretty easily. I've got the Patriots winning 27 to six easily covering the seven and a half. The Pittsburgh Steelers at the Miami Dolphins. Dolphins minus seven and a half. I've got the Steelers. Just very simply, that feels like way too many points to give to a Mike Tomlin team, especially with two attack of Iowa just coming back. So you know that they are going to be uh, all over him, trying to make him, trying to rattle him, trying to make those alarm bells in his head go off to see if they can trigger anything and make him not uh, throw the ball as uh, confidently and stand in the pocket as confidently. So. But again, that's a lot of points to give Pittsburgh. I won't I won't pick Pittsburgh outright in this game. I believe that the Miami Dolphins are a good enough um football team to beat the Pittsburgh Steelers. I, I won't pick the Steelers outright here, but I will, however, say that the Dolphins will not cover seven and a half and they will win the game by a final score of uh twenty seven to twenty four. And lastly, the uh, Houston Texans at the Las Vegas Raiders. Raiders minus seven. Take the Raiders here. Uh, I'm looking at this game and I'm saying, okay, the Raiders are due for an offensive explosion and where they just score 40. You know, where they just go out and just put 38 points on the board. Devontae Adams has two touchdowns. Derek Carr throws for four, three or four. Um... You just flat out overwhelm a defense who's going to, you know, your defense makes a player too. The Raiders are due for a game where they just go off. Um, and I think it's going to be that game. I think they're going to win this game fairly decisively. Uh, they're, again, they're seven-point favorites. I think going to win it by more than that, much, much more than that. Um, I think the Raiders are going to win this game 38-20 to 20 and run the Houston Texans eventually out of Vegas. But let's run back to the numbers one more time. So I have um, the Baltimore Ravens minus six and a half over the Browns. The New York Jets minus one and a half over the Broncos. The Patriots minus seven and a half over the Bears. The Steelers minus uh, plus seven and a half over the Dolphins. And the uh, Raiders minus seven over the Texans. Now up next, we're going to shift to the NBA. And tell you I was going down there and it's opening week. Welcome back into the show, and now we're going to talk about the NBA, um, and we're recording us while the NBA is still happening, so I hope nothing major goes on um, while we are um, recording, or after we record this, get it ready to push out to you guys, um, but actually, one of the things I'm going to talk about, I don't want to talk about it anymore, because uh, I'm going to talk about, actually, we're going to start with that team. Uh, one of the things I was going to discuss was the, uh, Joel Embiid struggling in his first two games. And then he goes for 40 and 13 tonight, although the Sixers still lose. And that's my issue. Uh, that's what we're going to talk about. We're going to start off with that. What's wrong in Philly? Uh, I, I know some Philly fans. I, I, I reached out to them. Uh, kind of made a joke about it. Like, man, I, I know the Sixers are not. Um, I know they're not 0-3. I know they're not 0-3. 
Um, and the response I got was lazy, terrible defense, no rebounds, and people are being passive. Um, so that was pretty much a description of what I got uh, from Philadelphia 76ers fans about the 76ers. Um, I know in the first couple of games, MB looked like he wasn't fully there. And then now in this game, MB goes to 14 and 13, and it looks like Harden doesn't show up. It's one of those things where they're trying to get Harden and Embiid uh, to show up at the same time, which in theory shouldn't be that difficult to do, but that's what's going on right now in Philadelphia, and they are flat out struggling. I said 0-3, um, the only team, I mean, think about it, I mean, this, the Lakers are 0-2, um, but they've shown signs that they can get there. They had a couple of stretches where, man, the Lakers look really good, and I'm like, oh, God. And Philly's not looked terrible for three straight games, but, again, they are 0-3, um, this time losing to the Spurs. Um, so you would think, if anything, the Spurs would be a team that the Sixers would kind of get right with. You know, a team really not looking to go that far. They're in the Victor Winbenyama chase. Um and so with that being said, it is very, very intriguing that the Sixers got fairly handled for most of the game uh, by the San Antonio Spurs. So there's issues uh, already in Philadelphia. Um, so I'm going to be keeping my eye on that situation, as many of you should as well. Also, in, in, in uh, disappointment land, the Lakers are residing as they've been for the most of the LeBron era. Um, look. I watch the Lakers. I'm going to continue to watch the Lakers. I'm a LeBron guy. I'm going to watch the Lakers. If for no other reason, I watch LeBron break Kareem's record this season. Um, It doesn't work. And we say it didn't work last year with Russell Westbrook. Um, It didn't work last year with Russell Westbrook. Now you're kind of adding to it. It really doesn't work now because you brought in Patrick Beverly, who's just a shorter, less athletic version of Russell Westbrook. I like Lonnie Walker. That's cool. But Russell Westbrook and Pat Beverly don't belong on the same basketball court. And I legitimately think the Lakers are just trotting out Russell to see, like, man, oh, he, got, he could play inside of a team environment. Look, he's playing inside of a team environment. Come get him, please. Um, I ultimately do think he'll finish this season in Indiana. Um, I just think the Pacers have to realize they're tanking first. <laughs> it's one of those things, like, I, I think they have to realize, like, oh, man, yeah, they're, 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 they're tanking. Um... And that it's a, uh, and it's pretty much over for the season. It's one of those things where, like, as the Lakers, you're hoping Indiana starts five and ten, getting blown out eight of the ten losses, and then you're kind of like, oh, okay, season's over. Let's see if we can get off Buddy Hill, Miles Turner's contract, pick up a couple of first round picks, etc. Um, in a storage for us, Westbrook, then buy him out. Who cares about the salary? Um, buy him out, and then proceed to. Um, continue to tank the rest of the season. Um, so that is uh, what I think the Lakers are ultimately waiting on to try and get um, Russell Westbrook into Indiana, bring back a Miles Turner, bring back a Buddy Hield. So now your starting lineup is Patrick Beverly, Lonnie Walker, Buddy Hield, Anthony Davis, Miles Turner. That's the starting lineup. It's not as Buddy Hill's a shooter. Miles Turner can shoot. Oh, wait. Did I not say LeBron? LeBron, Anthony Davis, Miles Turner, Buddy Hill. Oh, you can put my line of walk on the bench. Patrick Beverly can guard your guards. Or if you want Patrick Beverly off the bench for that second unit, which is probably what I would do, you would do LeBron James, Anthony Davis, Miles Turner, Buddy Hill, and Lonnie Walker. That puts a lot of the play initiating in the hands of LeBron, but he can be point guard LeBron. He's got a shooter. And Buddy Hill, he'd have a big man that can shoot in Miles Turner. He'd have another big big man that can shoot a little bit in Anthony Davis. Lonnie Walker has shown the ability he can hit open jumpers. And then, of course, LeBron James has shown the ability to get streaky in terms of his shooting. Um, and so that is something that I would take a look at if I'm the Lakers. I, I, I even maybe toss in a, another young piece. Not, a real, not an Austin Reeves, but maybe a couple of guys uh, around that youth move to make this move happen. Uh, for Indiana. You got to make this happen if you're the Los Angeles Lakers. The move's staring you in the face. You know, you know what I'm saying? It's, it's, it's staring you in the face. You got to make this move happen because then you'd have an Austin Reeves on your bench. You'd have a Lonnie Walker on your bench. You'd have um, 
people that you're trying to get significant. Patrick Beverly's on your bench now. People you're trying to get significant uh, minutes to in the starting lineup. If you make the Buddy Hill Miles Turner trade, you now have the ability in order to get uh, those guys on the bench and your team gets better. It's, to me, it's just a natural move for you to make, um, in my opinion, if you're the Los Angeles Lakers, in order to make the team competitive. If you don't own your first-round pick that goes to New Orleans, you're pretty much capped out. Now, you can get a, you can get a pretty good solid, a pretty solid player in free agency, but that's in free agency. Now, LeBron James is another year older. Um, now, you are one year further into Anthony Davis's career, you know. You don't have that kind of time. You got to make a move now. Damian Lillard has said he can see he has a world. He can see himself being traded. That's the first time he's ever even acknowledged the thought of the possibility it could exist that he could not be finishing his career inside a Portland Trailblazing uniform. LeBron text him. I mean, it's not tampering when his players text him. Hey, what are your thoughts in terms of um, leaving Portland? And ending up in in the Los Angeles Lakers uniform. Like, what are your thoughts here? Um, you never know. Maybe he can end in those two first round picks, Russell Westbrook. Maybe something else for Damian Lillard. So you don't get a big, but you get Damian Lillard. Um, so that could be interesting. Maybe even bring in, maybe try to expand it. Get a Jackson Hayes out of New Orleans. Um, maybe you end up. You know, you've got multiple avenues here to try and make the Los Angeles Lakers a better team. Sitting on your hands and watching Russell Westbrook, Patrick Beverly, and Lonnie Walker play basketball together is not the way to solve your problems. I'm just going to be honest. I, I, I don't have a firm solution where it's going to solve your problems. I know your current solution ain't solving it. So I would go. I would try to figure that out. Speaking of those New Orleans Pelicans, uh, they look great. They've played two full games, two 96-minute games against uh, one against the Brooklyn Nets and then the other one against Charlotte Hornets, uh, two playoff teams for sure. Neither one of them ever had the lead on the Pelicans. The Pelicans have not traded in a game and not traded for one, not trailed for one second um, in any game so far this season. They have a legitimate big three, Brandon Ingram, uh, Zion Williams, and T.J. McCollum, and then the fourth member of the big three, uh, fourth member of the, the fourth option on the team, Jonas Valanciunas, goes for thirty and seventeen um, against the Charlotte Hornets. Then you add in a guy like Herb Jones, who can knock down your open threes, who can sh- uh, and who guards the best defender on the other team, um, who guards the best offensive player rather on the other team, most of the time at all times. Um, so it's a lot of depth in New Orleans. You still got a Jose Alvarado. You still have uh, your Trey Murphys. You still have your Najee Marshalls. You still have your Billy Hunting Gomez's. You still have your Jackson Hayes. You still have a lot of this talent in New Orleans led by Willie Green. Remember this team last year went to the first round of the playoffs with CJ McCullum playing about 20 some odd games. Um, and no Zion Williamson. They went to the playoffs last year and pushed Phoenix to six could have very well won the series in six if they didn't have late game gaffes. Um, and so that Pelicans team is going to be very dangerous to the point where I don't think anyone is going to want to play them. Um, and then, of course, the Tankathon is on. Okay, it's not on yet, but everybody knows it's going to be a Tankathon eventually. And Victor Winbenyama is continuing to show why he's an elite prospect. Um, he had those great couple of games against the G League team where it, 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 it was moments, it was unfair. He's seven foot four. He's shooting fadeaway threes, transition threes. He's getting it off the glass, shooting pull-up threes, uh, coming in transition. He's coming off a screen, still fading his left, knocking down threes. He's making his free throws. He's blocking shots. He's posting up. At a certain point, it was just ridiculously unfair. Um, and so he's going to continue his work over in Europe. I said it before. I'll say it again. I believe he should shut it down in Europe. It's not worth it. He gets injured in Europe, or I think he's on Australia now. Um, he gets injured overseas. I would still draft him one, but if you're a team uh, like the Kings, who you need everything, you know, you need you need you need a basketball team. I just draft Scoot Henderson. Uh, I'm trying to think of an, uh, uh, the Magic. You know, the Magic have Paolo. It's pretty much the only thing that's not going to move. Well, Paolo can play with Victor because Victor's seven foot tall. Seven for four, but Paolo can also play with Scoot Henderson because Henderson is a guard, um, and so that's pretty much what's uh, 
what's the case is that if Victor gets injured playing a season that doesn't matter um, in his long-term life plans, does that ultimately make him no longer the first round pick, the first overall pick? Now, he'll be first, he'll be one or two regardless, but an injury may make him be two behind Scoot Henderson. And lastly, uh, John Luca are squaring off tonight. The era of the new level of point guard. I read a pretty interesting article, and it was saying how normally point guards take some years to develop. Uh, Chris Paul, Damian Lillard uh, was a two it pointed out, and it was saying how they didn't pop. Steph Curry even didn't pop, 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 really, until their mid to late 20s uh, when they really be elevated to a level that, you know, they were an elite level point guard. It took them you know, four, five, six, seven years, eight years in the NBA to really get to that level of point guard. John Morant's already there. It's his third year, maybe his fourth year. You know, Luka Doncic is already there. You know, you you have these two point guards who, within a couple of seasons, were already considered top-level point guards, top 10. They were top 10 in their position in their rookie years, in my opinion. They're both top five at their position right now. It only took them until their third or fourth year to accomplish that, which is something that is not very normal for point guard development. That's like a quarterback coming to the league in the NFL. and He's top five, you know, at quarterback within two years. Like Patrick Mahomes' story is rare. Josh Allen's story is rare. But think about it. It's 32 NFL quarterbacks, and those two are the only ones that have us that kind of story. Uh, Lamar Jackson has a similar story. I want to say he was top five, though. He's still being debated with uh, Kyler who He was rather, being debated with Kyler Murray. Um, and so I wouldn't say, or I wouldn't say Lamar is a top, uh, was a top five guy, was a top five guy right as he came out of college in his second season. Um, but so these, it, it's a new era um, in the point guard development train. But, you know, there's more and more quarterbacks now that after a couple of years, they're, they're knocking on top five. There's more and more point guards now. After a couple of years, even just one year, they played a lot. They're knocking on top seven in the position. And so um, we're going to have to develop, we're going to have to re-evaluate how we evaluate or how we judge a quarterback or point guard, rather, success. My reference got a little mixed up, but we're going to have to reference how we judge uh, point guard success because of how fast these guys have the ability to develop now. But up next, we're going to shift to a quick update on what's going on in the major league uh, playoff, major league baseball playoffs in the championship series, the NLCS and the ALCS. Welcome back into the show, and now we're going to touch on the MLB uh, CSs, so the NLCS Championship Series and the ALCS. Uh, we're going to jump into the one that's pretty much over. It hurts for me, uh, but as of about 20 minutes ago, um, the Houston Astros took a commanding 3-0 lead on the New York Yankees. Um, that series is pretty much over at this point. Uh, for the third time in five years, the Yankees would have played the Astros. And for the third time in five years, the Astros would have beaten the Yankees. Uh, one of those years, I don't count because that was the year they had the trash can scandal. So I don't count that year. But in the history of books, Major League Baseball doesn't really worry about cheating. Um, and so it would go down as a third time in five years, the Astros beat the Yankees. Uh, next time we talk, we probably will be on game three or four of the World Series. Um, in which case, on the other side is the uh, San Diego Padres without Fernando Tatis Jr. because he was suspended for PEDs. Um, Fernandez uh, and the uh, Philadelphia Phillies, rather, against the San Diego Padres uh, with the Phillies having a 2-1 lead at the moment in that series. Uh, if I had to make a prediction right now, I would go with the Phillies would hang on and play the Astros in the World Series um, with the Phillies winning the World Series. It's a little bit of a haterade in me. I admit it. I'm not 
completely and totally not biased here as because I want the Astros to not win the World Series, mainly because they beat us. I mean, it's, it's no... It's nothing. Uh, it's completely personal. I mean, there's no real objectivity here. I admit when I'm biased, and I'm biased in this case. As long as the Astros don't win the World Series, I'd be happy. So either the Padres or the Phillies can win it. Uh, my Yankees can't anymore. But either the Padres or the Phillies can win it. I'm perfectly okay with that. It's going to be honest with you. Um, but that is what's going on in MLB. Uh, all of the top dogs, you win-wise, will be gone. The Yankees are the only team that was considered in the, it was in the top four records that made it this far. Um, but everyone else will be gone. I mean, the Dodgers are already out. Uh, the other uh, two, a couple hundred win teams are out. Um, and so the Yankees were the last one holding on, and they seem to be all but done uh, themselves. But that is all we have for today's episode. I thank you guys for hanging out with me. Like I said, it's been about a month since I was able to do one of these, and so I was very excited to get back uh, and get this recorded to share with you guys um, and so we can have a little fun together, you know, um, so you guys get some updated information um, and you guys can get back to hearing my beautiful voice um, and get some great sports knowledge, mostly unbiased, without the big media agenda push. But... Like I said, that is all we have for today. Of course, don't forget to like, rate, and subscribe and share uh, the Just In Time Sports podcast on iTunes and Spotify. And don't forget to follow the social media handle at Sports. I repeat, at Sports on your social media. It's your Facebook, your Instagram, your TikToks, your Twitters for breaking news updates and turn those post notifications on so you don't miss anything, whether it is a breaking news update or sometimes I, on Twitter, I will give my opinion if I'm watching a game. It's a big game. I'll give my live opinion to it uh, during the game. But like I said, this is your host, Justin Jackson. Uh, this is Justin Time Sports Podcast. Have a great rest of your weekend and have a great next week. Go kick next week's ass uh, and do it for me. Or do it for yourself, but do it for me if you need external motivation. Now have a great rest of your day. This is your host, Justin Jackson, signing out. <laughs>